Good morning, Renewal. Good morning, good morning. How you guys doing? Y'all good? You warm? Very warm, right? It's cold outside, right? I got back. I was at a retreat this week with my wife in Miami, y'all, and it was nice and warm. But when we got here, I got on the plane. I was like, Lord, have mercy. Help me. No. <laughs> no, it's good to be here, and I am glad to be back with you all here in, in our home, Chicago. Um, if you're new with us, I just want to say welcome to you. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor here at Renewal Church of Chicago. I just want to say thank you for being with us today. As Dan said earlier, if you would take one of these Connect cards, you can grab them right off on the, on the table outside, info table. We'd love to get your name, your information. If you have prayer requests, anything, just go ahead and put it on there. Love to get to know who you are. What I do each week is I, I take these and I pray over them and I get to call you too, just to get to see who you are and who's coming into our church. And I just want to know what you thought and see how we can connect and maybe get you involved in our church. So please fill that out. You can leave it on the table. You can put it in the offering basket. Give it to me or, or Dan or someone else that may have a name tag on. You can give it to them and we're going to get in touch with you this week and see how we can get you plugged in a little bit more here at our church. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here at Renewal this morning. Well, before we get into where we're going today in the text, um, tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. Tomorrow we celebrate the birthday of one of the greats, a man that stood on the front lines of injustice. He stood on the front lines and he stood up for the marginalized, the poor. He stood up for those who didn't have equal rights, minorities in our society. He, he didn't allow it just to somebody else to step up and, and let them take it and let them do it. No, no, he stepped in. And see, whatever you may think about him, he, he's doing exactly what Jesus did. See, Jesus didn't stand on the sideline and watch people while they're about to get stoned. He didn't stand on the sideline and, and watch the woman where, where she's coming to the well all by herself. No, no, he engaged her. He, he, didn't, he didn't stand on the sideline when, when the folks were out there that are fishermen or tax collectors or, or the one with the problem with blood. He, he didn't stand on the sideline. No, he engaged each and every last person, especially those that were marginalized. So, so we celebrate a day tomorrow. We don't just celebrate Martin Luther King and his birthday, but we, stand, we, we celebrate what he stood for. And to that end, a lot of people say it's a day on, and that is actually what it is. It's a day on. It's, I know a lot of us get the day off from work. It's really a day on. And the reason I say it's a day on is because a lot of the things he was fighting against, fighting for, racial equality and civil rights, all of those are still things that we're still fighting for today, sadly. Yeah, I know you guys have heard some of the recent comments. I'm just going to say it, that our president has said and things like that in the media and whatever you think, some of you guys may be disheartened from that, may not know what to feel about it. Here's the thing. There is still a lot to do in our society today. And the reason I'm bringing this before you and I'm talking about MLK Day is because the church is the one that needs to be on the front lines. You see, we can look at everybody else and say, we want the government to do this, we want the police to do this. Yes, we need to call people to action. They need to do all these things. But, family, Jesus Christ is the only one that brings lasting change. He's the only one that saves. He's the only one that saves. So, so that means that the church, we can't stand by and say, you need to do this, everybody else needs to do this. No, 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 we step in. We step into the issues, the problems. We have relationships with those that we 
might not normally want to have a relationship with, get to know them. That's what King did. That's what Jesus did. So tomorrow, this is what I, we're serving at Breakthrough, a partnership we have with an organization here that, that, that feeds those that, that are needy as well as clothes them, gives them jobs. We're going to serve there tomorrow. We're going to serve at the men's and the women's shelter for lunch. So if you have not signed up, this is one way to serve tomorrow. Serve with us from 10 to 1 tomorrow. We're going to serve a meal. We're going to put it all together. You can sign up on the tables outside. We need it. There's no excuse for us not to be there, all right? Let's sign up tomorrow. If you can't do tomorrow, we'll have more in the future. And here's another challenge for you. If you can't do that, everybody can do this. This is what I want everybody to do this week. I did this last, last time with you guys, and I want to challenge you all to take a step tomorrow. All right? And what I mean by a step is that if you look around this sanctuary or if you think about your workplace or your neighborhood, there's somebody around you that you may have not done life with before that doesn't vote like you, may not eat like you, may not talk like you, may not have grown up like you. They're different than you. So I want you to take a step across the line. Invite them to coffee. Invite them out to eat. Let your dinner table be different tomorrow night. If you can't do it tomorrow, do it sometime this week. We can take a step and engage someone else because that's where true life change happens. It's through relationships. It's through lives being impacted where we can now empathize with other people and have compassion, which forces us to seek the betterment of other individuals. So I want everybody in here, I'm challenging you all to take a step. Will you take a step with me tomorrow? Let's take a step, all right? Amen. And celebrate the birth of a man who stood for a lot. And it's the reason we actually can sit in this sanctuary together, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, all alike, because of his work. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, as we switch gears and we get into where we're going today, three years ago, I started something called the State of the Church. State of the church, and what that means is we're going to take some time today, and we're going to look back over the past year. We're going to look at how God has worked in our midst and all the things that have happened here at Renewal, and hopefully that encourages us as we look forward to 2018. We're going to talk about the things that are coming up and what God's doing here and what we have to look forward to in 2018. It's much like the State of the Union address that the president does every year, talking about the highs and the lows, last year's stories, as well as kind of hoping that, that we'll be encouraged to look forward to this year. And for those of you that are new here or maybe old, you're probably like, why are we doing this? Why do we have to do this State of Church? Hear me. If you pick up the scriptures and you read through the scriptures, you read through Paul's letters especially, every letter that he's writing to another church, he's always talking about something that's happening at another church. He's doing this so he can encourage the saints about what's happening in the uttermost parts of the world. Okay, you look at Jesus' ministry. You look at Matthew chapter 11. John the Baptist is about to be beheaded. He's about to die. He's locked up in prison. And he sends his messenger. He says, hey, go to Jesus to ask him if he's the one we've been waiting for or is there someone else coming? They go to Jesus and they ask him the question. And Jesus says these words. Look at them with me. Matthew chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. He says these words. He says, and Jesus answered them. Go and tell John what you hear and you see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by 
me. Those are Jesus' words. He's telling John of his ministry and the things that are happening, and it encourages John. And John is able to go to his death gladly because he was serving the true king. You see, friends, and, and if Jesus can take time right here to tell John about what's happening in his ministry, I think we should be able to take time to do it too. Amen? And, and I'm not sure about you, but when I take time, it, it's always a special time for me when I get the chance to just look back over my life and just reflect and look back and see, man, all the things, all the great things and, and God's goodness in my life, it's always a special time for me. But see, the problem is, I don't think we do that enough. We just move one place to another. We're just moving all over the place doing that thing and this thing all the time. We're doing all these things and we get, our pla- we get into situations we don't want to necessarily get into. And the first person we point a finger at or we ask, where were you, is God. Why'd you allow me to get here? Why are all these things happening to me? And if we just took some time to just reflect and look back, we would see his goodness all over our lives. We were able to see his handprints and footprints all throughout our lives. I mean, you ever just stopped for a second? You ever just stopped and just reflected on the goodness of God? Have you ever just taken time and just said, thank you? Those that call ourselves a believer, have you ever just said, thank you, Jesus? See, I don't think we do that enough. But see, when we take a second to slow down just a moment, most of the time you can see how God has worked in and through your life. And that encourages you to keep going. And what this means is that, and, and I'm saying this, and I need you to hear me when, when I say this, because there's someone in here that may need to hear this. You may be in a situation right now where you feel like you can't get out of. There's no way out. Here's the truth. If you believe in Jesus, here's the truth. He has never left you. And he never will. If you call yourself a believer, God says in his word, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And, and even if everyone else, everyone else in your life leaves you, I'm still with you. And I don't know about you, but that, that it keeps me encouraged. It, it keeps me encouraged and on my knees saying, thank you, Jesus. In John 10, I love it. It says that nothing can snatch me out of the palm of his hand. There's safety with Jesus. He holds me closely to him. I don't know about you, but that keeps me encouraged on a daily basis. So this morning... I'm not so much going to preach to you. I'm already doing that. But this, instead, <laughs> what I want to do this morning is I want to reflect. I want to reflect for just a moment today. And hopefully this encourages us as we look forward to 2018. So this should be a time. Hear me, y'all, because some of y'all are quiet this morning. This should be a time of a whole lot of clapping and amen all right? Y'all ain't gonna y'all, y'all gonna make me work hard today, right? Clapping and amen it all morning, all right? I'm a black preacher. I've told y'all this once before. So when I'm preaching, if you talk to me, sometimes it makes me go a little quicker. And y'all want to get to brunch, right? 
Amen. There you go. Now, some of y'all are new this morning, and some of you guys are old here, um, but I want to begin with a little bit of our story, and a lot of this story has to do with my story. And you may be saying, well, why do we have to do that? That seems old hat. Now, here's the truth. You've heard me say this before. Vision leaks. Vision leaks, so we need to constantly be reminded of why we're here, why we call this place home, why Jesus has called us to this place for such a time as this. So we got to talk about the story a bit. Amen? See, the city of Chicago for me, growing up as a kid in Gary, Indiana, has always been a dream city for me. I've always loved this city with the lights and and the huge buildings downtown. I've loved the city of Chicago. It's always been a beacon of hope for me, especially when I was growing up. And like many other people in here, you've moved to this city hoping to see something bigger and better in your lives. You were seeking hope and you moved to Chicago. I've always loved the city of Chicago. But as I grew up and became an adult, I, I learned of all the violence. I learned about all the division across socioeconomic and racial lines and, and, and the pursuit of success at the neglect of other people. And the burden that I had became a passion. It became a passion because I wanted to see the city of Chicago transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, and the reason I say the gospel of Jesus Christ is because I know we think there's a lot of things that can make a city better yet, but here's the truth. None of these things bring lasting change. Not better homes, not better schools, not police force, not governments, not more money, not you, not me. The only thing that brings lasting change, it's the reason we've been talking about it for over 2,000 years, is Jesus It's God in the flesh. He saves, he transforms, he renews broken people and broken cities back to him. That's why I wanted to see the gospel go forth in the city. So as we moved here, we we desired to see Jesus transform lives, not just on a vertical basis between us and God, but also on a horizontal basis. When you think about Jesus hanging on that cross, there's two beams. There's a vertical one and there's a horizontal one. The horizontal one, he has his hands nailed to the cross. And horizontally, when you think of it, it's reconciling us to one another. So Jesus didn't just die for us to vertically be reconciled to God, but through that relationship, it also reconciles us to one another. Hence, he's reconciled to the thief on the cross who's going to heaven with him horizontally. So we want to see that happen throughout our city. That's why this church looks like this, various different people from all over the place. That's intentional. That's why we did the last year, we did a, a, a Crossing Line series. Y'all remember that series? Did you like that? Was that good for you? Y'all ain't talking to me. Okay. Crossing Line series. We did that last year. If you missed it, go online. Check it out. See, the gospel, like we've talked about many times before here at Renewal, should compel us. It doesn't force us. It should compel us to love one another, love people who don't look like us, who don't vote like us, who don't talk like us, who don't eat like us, who don't don't hang out like us. The gospel compels us to do it. Jesus doesn't force us, but because of his death and our believing in him, that same spirit inside of us compels us to love people who are different than us. It's the gospel that transforms and changes lives. So with this, we came up with our vision to be a church that's centered on the gospel while passionately seeking the welfare of our city. We desire to be a church where if God saw fit to remove us from the city of Chicago, he said, for some reason, he just removed Renewal Church from this city. The city would miss us. 
The city would miss us because we weren't just a church that was seated inside the city, but we were a church that was for the city, a church that sought the welfare of the city. This city is better because we're here. Because God's doing a work through us here at Renewal Church of Chicago. Now hear me, friends. Here's the truth. Jesus here does this when he comes to the earth. And we're better because he walked among us. And this is his vision. This is what he did. And as a church, if we do the same, it's not about us recreating the the will and doing all these things. No, no, we just need to follow his example. Be in the city, seek the welfare of the city. So this isn't something we just came up with out of the blue and said, we want to make this happen. No, 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 this is what we looked at. When we looked at Jesus' life, we saw these things happen. And out of that came these three prongs that we like to call them. I like to call them pillars. As you'll see throughout the next few weeks, we're going to start this this vision series called The Pillars. Three pillars that we stand firm on here at Renewal. And we believe these are rhythmic and, and indicative of every believer. The three pillars are we want to renew hearts by the power of the gospel, we want to rebuild lives through discipleship, and we will release people for city and world impact. Now, friends, that's not, that's not just some catchy slogan. I don't even look at all oh, these three R's. That's great. No, no. We looked at Jesus' life and said, man, what does Jesus do? And when we see him, he renews hearts of his disciples by simply them being around him. They're believing in him. The God himself, the giver of life. Then he rebuilds them by them hanging with him, seeing him do ministry, him allowing them to work underneath him. Their lives are being changed. Most of them fishermen and tax collectors coming from these various walks of life, but they're hanging with God in the flesh and their lives become changed. And lastly, what we see Jesus do is he releases them. He releases these men after he ascends to heaven. They go on and do even more greater things than Jesus himself has done. As a matter of fact, here's the truth. If it had not been for these men being faithful, we would not be sitting here today. It's because these men were faithful and they took this truth of Jesus Christ out into a world that needed salvation, that needed hope, and they shared it with other people. And then those people shared it with other people and the churches started and then other churches started. And now we sit here thousands of years later. It's because of faithfulness. It's because of Jesus working. So we see renewal. We see rebuilding. We see releasing. And friends, I'll say it again. If this was Jesus' ministry and this is what he committed himself to, We don't need to reinvent the wheel. We just need to follow his example. So, friends, as I switch gears today, what I want to do is I want to walk through these three pillars. And hopefully it encourages you a bit as we see how this has been showing up and playing out in the life of our church here at Renewal. Let's begin with this first pillar, which is renewing hearts by the power of the gospel. This pillar has rang out in the life of our church in multiple different ways. One of the things that we stand firm on here at Renewal is that every time you come to church on Sunday morning, you're going to hear the gospel preached. You're going to hear a word preached, whether that's for myself or as Pastor Luke or Tony last week or someone else here on our staff or just in the church. You're going to hear the gospel preached. You're going to hear a word preached. And the reason that is is because it, even in, if we're eloquent in our speech, none of that is what saves people. None of that changes lives. It's Jesus' work and his word. He's the only one that changes. So you're going to hear the gospel preached every week here at Renewal. You're going to hear about what Jesus has done. So many times when you walk in, you're going to hear us 
opening up the scriptures. You're going to see us doing that, and we're going to walk through the scripture line by line, word by word. We're going to be breaking it down. We're going to break it down, and I like to say we want to milk the text dry. Milk it dry. And this type of preaching is called expository preaching. And what we're trying to do is expose the word of God by using only the word of God. Not what we think necessarily, but what the word actually says. So you're going to hear the gospel preached every week. You're going to hear that from one of us. But what I really love doing, three years now in a row, I love calling new people that come to our church. I want to ask them, what did you think about our church? What, how, how was the word? What, what was it that you liked about our church? What did you enjoy? And number one thing, three years in a row, people say is that they love hearing the gospel preached every week. And then the second thing people say is that, man, the fellowship there was amazing. People genuinely like each other. I'm like, man, I, yeah, they genuinely like each other. And, and, and that's, that's it's something to celebrate because you look around this room, that doesn't necessarily happen all the time. People genuinely like each other. They hang out with each other. And, and the cool thing about that, and, and here's the thing that I want to bring your attention to, why we celebrate that is because not only are people hearing the gospel week out and week in, they're, they're hearing it every week, but they're experiencing it now lived out amongst community, whether that be here on Sunday morning or in their groups throughout the week, whether at a dinner table, they're experiencing the gospel and life on life with other people. It's being proclaimed from the pulpit but we're also living it out intentionally. That's something to celebrate. Y'all just missed your clapping moment again. Man, we're going to get this down today. Here's just a few, a few stats to help you. Maybe you'll clap for this as we go through these. You should. In the last year, we averaged 180 souls every Sunday here at Renewal Church of Chicago. Man. That's a 50% increase from the year before. Yeah. And that's inside of an urban metropolis, arguably one of the hardest places to plant a church. And then on top of that, we're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, diverse church. That doesn't happen. Does not happen. Translation, God is moving, y'all. He's moving in our midst, and that's something to celebrate. We had seven baptisms last year. Folks like Rayshawn, who plays the keyboard for us every week. The brother is faithful. He's been here. He came to me one, time, one day during the summer, and he said, Pastor D, I've been in church my whole life. Just like that, 100%. I've been in church my whole life, Pastor D. And, and I've been here, and I thought I was saved, but since I've been at this church, my whole life has changed. And I want to be baptized. And he was baptized last year. That's one of the seven. People's lives have been changing coming to this church. Renewal is happening. We had, listen to this one, we had 76 new adult members that joined our church in the last year. Members, not attenders. Members that have joined this church. But check this out. This is what really blew me away. From the months of August to December, four months out of the 76, 68 new people joined our church in four months. Y'all, that's something to celebrate. That does not happen. That's members, people locking arms saying, I want to be a part of what God is doing here at Renewal. I want to jump in. 
God is good. You all gave last year financially through your tithes and offerings $262,368.65, all the way down to the cent. That's $60,000 more than the year before. Family, things like that don't happen in church plants, not three-year-old church plants. That's something to give God praise. Now hear me, though. We still have a long way to go to reach our budget this year, 433000 We've raised that. We've got new people on staff. It takes, a, hear me, it takes a lot of money to plant a church in a city. It takes a lot of money to do that. But just in three years, your giving is unheard of. It's unheard of. So although we have a long way to go, this tells me that the gospel has not just affected our hearts, but it's also affected the way we give. It's affected our pockets. It's affected where we put our treasure. And family, I, I know it may be tough to talk about money a little bit in church, but here's the thing. we got to talk about it. And here's the reason why. Jesus talked about money a whole lot in the scriptures, more than any other subject. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. 16, hear me, 16 out of 38 parables, 16 out of 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. In the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. Hear me, the Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. I think it's safe to say that God... And he really cares about how we steward our possessions. Family, money and what we do with it, or how we steward it, is important to God. And if we want to see the kingdom of God continue to advance, if we want to see renewal continue to happen, and we still we want to see more people come to know Jesus, it's going to take us all giving. Here's the truth. Many of you guys work other jobs. You can't possibly be outside evangelism, doing all the outreach and all those things. So you depend on the church. You depend on missionaries to do those types of things. And it's through your giving that the church is able to do this. It's through your giving that we're able to send churches out and send people to the uttermost parts of the world. It's through you all giving. So here's the thing. If you're not giving right now, I want to challenge you to start giving. If you're already giving, I want to challenge you to try to give a tithe which is 10%. If you're already doing that, I want to challenge you to be a cheerful giver and give more than you've ever given before. I want you to set a goal for yourself and think about and pray about, God, what would you have me give? I, I want to see the gospel go for, what would you have me do? And this is my wife and we do this too. Every, since we came to know Jesus, we put aside 10%. We say, God, here's, this is all yours, right? Before the check even comes, that's yours. And each year we look at it and say, how much more can we give? We'll give our 10% to the church. Can we give more to the church? Then on top of that, can we offer up more and give it to other missionaries and other people outside of it? Can we do that? We do that each year. I'm calling you to do the same thing with me. Simple fact is here. The Bible tells us where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And honestly, if you love what's happening here and it's impacted your life, we want to see more of that happen and we're excited about it, we need to give. Here's the truth. If I'm honest with you, just vulnerable for a minute. Last year was our last year of outside support. Raised up a, a substantial amount. That was our last year of outside support, which means this year we need to close the gap. Now, I could go out and raise more money. Yes, we could do that. Could raise more money. 
But I believe that we are able to stand on our own two feet here. I believe together we can do this. But it's going to take all of us giving. Again, this year we need to raise, we need to give $433,000, which means two things. We need to keep growing. And number two, we all need to give. I'm calling you all to partner with us and give. It's going to take all of us. So family, hear me. Let's continue to give our time, talents, and treasure and see renewal happen here in our city. See the gospel go forth. Because here's the thing. We're not giving our time, talent, and treasures because we're forced to or I'm asking you to. It's because the gospel compels us to. It's because Jesus gave first. He gave it all up for you and I. The least we can do is give some of our time, talent, and treasures. It's to him. It doesn't force us. We should be compelled to give. And in doing so, let's bring renewal to this city. Friends, the gospel will always be, what Jesus did will always be the foundation of everything we do here. Let us not do anything out of any other motivation other than what he's already done in our lives. Amen? The second pillar as we keep moving is rebuilding lives through discipleship. This is key in everything we do. Discipleship is the process by which we as believers grow in our walks with Jesus Christ. Or I like to say it this way. It means to reproduce, reproducing followers of Jesus Christ. Try to say that fast later. Again, I bet you can't do it. It means to reproduce, reproducing followers of Jesus Christ. Re- reproduce people that don't just sit on the sidelines, but they're jumping in. You see, true discipleship means that, that we don't stand over here and say, well, we're going to let that person get involved in the work of the ministry. No, we jump into everything and we invest our whole life in the work of Jesus Christ. That's what true disciples do. Discipleship plays itself out in our church in many different ways. It happens on Sunday morning from preaching in the pulpit. It happens also in our weekly groups where we're getting together and we're sitting down and eating meals together and we're diving into the Word. Discipleship, hear me, is simply someone a little more mature in the faith. Doesn't necessarily mean older in age, but more mature in the faith, pouring their life out onto you. It's life on life. It's what we see Jesus do with his disciples. He calls us to make disciples in Matthew 28. This is why we're so passionate about this. It's not an option. He's commanding us to make disciples. The last one he gives, go out and make disciples, which is why we're so passionate about it. We want to preach the gospel every week on Sundays, but we also need to be challenged and encouraged by people outside of Sunday morning. We need community. We need to be encouraged. We need fellowship. If you've been in Chicago for any period of time, you know that's kind of hard sometimes. We live in this big city where everybody's go, 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 going. They're going all day long. You're in your own little neighborhood. And it's hard to have community sometimes. Sometimes you're just tired. But we need to be challenged. We need community. Because here's the thing. We were created by God to be in community. And you know how I know that? Because God himself exists in community. The Trinity, triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, the Godhead. He is in community. He created us in his image, which means that without community, we will always yearn for it. Whether that's a spouse, a group, a church, a large gathering, we're always going to want community because we need it. We're created for it. And friends, here's the encouraging thing that I love is that 
this is already taking place in our church. Rebuilding through community and discipleship is already happening here. Here's just a short list of how. In the next few weeks, as I said, and you've heard throughout the uh, last couple of weeks, we're going to start our groups back up. Groups are starting back up. Yes, yes. Somebody enjoy groups. Groups are starting back up. And, and check this out. We had eight groups last year, and it was over 100 of you guys in the groups. That's awesome. That's awesome. Look at God. We hope to start about two or three more of those groups. And here's my prayer. My prayer is that everyone in here will be involved in a group, that you'll jump in a group. Sunday morning is great, and being able to say hello to everyone here is awesome. But get in a group where you're able to fellowship with people throughout the week, where they're able to challenge you and encourage you, something that you may not get on Sunday morning. But we need that throughout the week. As we're going throughout our weeks and in our works, we need need people to help us through the week. These groups are sermon-based curriculum, so whatever I preach or whoever's preaching on Sunday morning, you're going to get that in a group guide, and you're literally going to be diving through the Word with one another, breaking it down more practically. So how do we live it out throughout the week? So you get to do that each week with one another. So whatever's preached here, you get to break it down throughout the week with each other and dive in each other's lives. So sign up online now. If you have never signed up for a group, sign up online now on our website. We'll get you involved in a group. Other ways we've encouraged community here at our church is we did Renewal Summer last year. How many of you guys enjoyed Renewal Summer? Did you guys get to take part in that? Every summer we do Renewal Summer where it allows us to, you know, slow down in the summer a little bit, take part in some of the Chicago festivities. But we do things here at the church too, like we do Taste of Tuesdays every week. Some of y'all can throw down in the kitchen. Some of y'all, I don't know, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> I love Taste of Tuesdays. We get to taste all type of food at different people's houses. We've done barbecues here every, uh, once a month, every Sunday. We've got a whole lot of things in store this Sunday. Now that the park is open in the back, we're going to do a, a lot of things here. So look out for those different events. But that's Renewal Summer. And, and some of you guys, that was your first experience of Renewal. It wasn't on Sunday morning. It was at one of these summer events. And now you're here and you're members. That's community. That's, that's engagement. That's discipleship taking place. And now look at what God is doing. Many of you all were involved in our men's and women's time. Over the last couple of years, we've done those. Uh, we're going to start those back up this year in February. So, I mean, women, time starts February 4th. Y'all, don't, y'all not excited about that? So many of y'all asking for it. Women's, <laughs> women's time starting February 4th. We're going to do that during the 9 a.m. service, 9 a.m. service. That's going to go for eight weeks, and the men's time will start February 18th. That's going to go for six weeks. Those are during the 9 a.m. service. You notice I say 9 a.m. service because you can still go to the 11 a.m. service, all right? This is for men and women to fellowship together. It's going to be awesome because we need that. Groups are are both genders, and you're here on Sunday morning, but here you are able to jump into each other's lives and dive in on a more deeper level as men and women, and we get to go through a study together and and just encourage one another, challenge each other. That's going to start up here in February. Be on the lookout for that. Again, that's during the first service. So I don't need anybody talking about Pastor D told me to go to men and women's time, and I don't have to go to church anymore. All right? I'm going to be like, you lying? I told you to go to both. So go to both. I want to see. I would love to see these rooms packed out with men and women just growing in the word together. Be an awesome sight to see. Amen? Amen. February 4th, men, women start and men will start on February 18th. They'll both end a week before Easter. So it's a start and an end date for you guys. 
And to my men in here, that does not mean that it replaces basketball. Every Sunday, y'all can still get dunked on by me, you know. Um, don't laugh. I can really, y'all don't think I got hops? Come on now. Y'all can still come get it after church every week. Y'all laugh a little too hard. Um, but I, big thanks to my friend Robinson, one of our leaders here and deacons here at our church. Um, I appreciate this brother and all the work he's done. Um, one Sunday, he, he started this up. One Sunday, he came to me and he said, D, man, we got to start basketball back up. I enjoy playing in that league. For y'all that didn't know, we got a pretty good, some pretty good basketball players here. Um, we won the <clears throat> church league two years in a row. <clears throat> Best team in the city. You know, we did that. And, um, and uh, so he came and said, man, we got to start that up. That was good for my soul as a man to be able to fellowship with other men and play basketball and just do something athletic. And I said, okay, cool, go ahead and start it up. And he looked at me and said, okay, cool, I'll start it up. So we've been playing basketball since the fall here, and now they've moved to every week. And i got to tell you something, man, the camaraderie that has taken place amongst these men is something beautiful to see in the church. It's something to celebrate. There's not enough men, hear me, that are living in this world, that are living as God has called them to live, as servant leaders, and surely not enough of them come in the church. So to see these men coming together, fellowshipping and hanging, this is something to celebrate. It's beautiful. Amen. So y'all can come get it after church. If you're a man in here, you ain't playing on the court with us, come on. Just don't hack me like Robinson. Our kids' ministry under Liz, Liz is in here in the front row. Can y'all put your hands together for Liz? Yes. Our, our kids' ministry has been awesome. It's still something to celebrate. Kids are getting poured into. They're being shepherded here at Renewal. They're wanting to come back week after week. Friendships are flourishing. My kids' best friends are in the kids' ministry. They love Renewal Church. They're like, Daddy, can I stay all day? I'm like, for real? Cool. I got to drag you. They're coming. They love coming to church and being with their friends and learning uh, the Word of God together. We averaged in the kids' ministry anywhere between 23 to, 20 to 31 kids on any given Sunday. We dedicated nine babies last year, and the way we make... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes, nine babies... And the way we make babies here at Renewal, I'm pretty sure we're going to have more next, this year. Y'all going to catch that on your ride home, including mine that's coming. The part, the part that I love about our kids' ministry and what God's doing there in that ministry is that quarterly we do a parents' night out. And hear me, if you're, yes, yes, parents should be making noise, right? If you're a parent in here, if you're a parent in here and you have not taken advantage of that parent night out, do it. That is our gift to you. It's the kids' ministry's gift to you. They set aside not an hour, I think it's three hours where your kids are fed. They get to hang out with their friends, and we're giving you a night out. And the reason being is because a lot of families in here, y'all work very hard, and y'all don't get that time off. You don't get that time off, and, and, or, or you're maybe a single mom or a single dad, and, and you don't get time away. You need help. Drop them off. This is your night out. We're giving you that gift. That happens quarterly. Be on the lookout for that. The next one is right around Valentine's Day. We want you to bring your kids. This is for you. All right? Take advantage of that. Look out for the next one. And last but not least, I want to say thank you. So I want us to put our hands together for all those who volunteer in kids' ministry. All of those that volunteer in kids' ministry. 
We've not gone a Sunday without a volunteer in kids' ministry. You guys are awesome. If you're interested in jumping in kids' ministry, we'd love to get your name, your number, love to get you involved. Liz is right here. I think Clem is right here. We'd love to get you guys involved in kids' ministry. We want more volunteers. We're looking more for volunteers. And I want to say a word. What better ministry to get involved in? Not that you shouldn't do all the other things, but you get to invest. We're talking about discipleship in the kids of the next generation who are going to grow up and be our leaders. Why not invest Jesus into them? Why not spend time with them? Amen? Whether that's one Sunday or more, jump in. Jump in. Jump in the kids' ministry. Amen? Over the last year, we've had a mad, mass influx of, or mad, you want to say it? Mass influx of young people and college students. I'm just playing. Y'all not mad. Y'all awesome. <laughs> Come to the church, and they, they've gotten plugged into our church. They started serving. They're singing. They're in kids' ministry. They're going to set up and tear down. So we began last year to think about how do we engage them a little more intentionally and we said we're going to start this thing called The Gathering. That's led by Tony Dentman here. Tony's right here in the green. Y'all can see him. He's sticking out right now. You see him right there. And y'all remember from last week. Tony has been awesome. Him and his wife, they open up their house at least once a month for folks to come in. They get equipped. They learn about who God is. They also do events. They just went bowling on Friday. They didn't invite me because they knew they would get beat on the bowling alley. I'm laughing a little too much at my jokes, man. <laughs> no, but they went bowling, and I think it was about 25 to 30 of them. They're also doing a Super Bowl party coming up. This is for ages 20s, 20s to the early 30s. Come out and fellowship. You're here. Come out and fellowship. Get involved. And if you want to know more information about that, see Tony after service. I'm pretty sure he'll get you plugged in. Everybody knows Tony. Get to know that brother after service. He'd love to plug you in. Last fall... We also started this thing called a creative team, creative team, which has been amazing for me. This is something that was huge. I really wanted to start this because as we looked at the state of the church and people that are coming to church today, most people aren't coming because you went up to them and said, hey, why don't you come to my church? They're not coming by and looking at the signs on the street. Some people may, but even if they do those things, the first thing they're going to do is open up their phone and they're going to go to social media, Renewal Chicago. Wow, that post is cool. That post is horrible. They're looking at all these posts, and then they go on the website, they're doing all their research. And just because of that, maybe a social media post, they'll be like, I'm not coming to that church, or I am coming to that church. So I said, look, we need to reimagine our front door, the front door before people get to the actual front doors. Reimagine that front door. So I brought together some creatives, and I said, I, I need your minds. Let's think through this. I'm not good at this, but you guys are. This is what you do. Man, they have done our social media over. We started doing videos each week where, where, where I'm doing the newsletters. We, they did our website. They're working on that right now. They're, they're also doing vision videos. Some of y'all remember the, uh, the video for the Jonah series last year with the kids. And you got my daughter like, the big fish, and she's chomping that Jonah's getting eaten. So we, we've done all of those different things. And this is just the beginning of our, if you're interested in creative, and you're creative in any kind of way, you need to see Jordan Carroll or Allison in the back. See them after service. They love to get you involved in that here at our church. Last year, we also started this ministry residency program back up. I'm excited about this. It's one of my heartbeats. We started it back up with Ronald Monroe and, and Allison Atkins. Some of you know them. Some of you may not know them. But if you love the way worship sounds in here, even when I'm preaching or you like the videos that come out in the newsletter each week, that's Ron is to thank for that. Ron runs our soundboard back there. Yes. He's a man that loves Jesus and is running for him hard. 
And then Allison runs our social media. If you've noticed a big uptick in our social media, because she's been killing it. Slides on Sunday are on point now. No misspelled words. I mean, she just brings a creative side or edge to our staff that we didn't have before. And they are killing it. I'm thankful for them. Now, I know you're sitting there probably saying, well, what is a residency program at a church? What does that mean? You've heard it about a medical residency. It's exactly what, what you heard of. It's, it, it's, it's modeled after a medical residency. Think of it this way. What if doctors, all they did was just went to medical school? They didn't do the residency afterwards. They didn't get any hands-on training. They didn't get their, their hands dirty. They didn't follow people around. They just went to medical school, maybe even college, and just, just started open, open up your heart trying to work on it. That's scary, right? It's the same thing for ministers, people that are called to do ministry. I said, why don't we design a program where people can come alongside us? We can give them a place to fail. We can give them a place to succeed. We can give them a place to try things out, to preach, to get to know Jesus on a deeper level, to to try things out underneath this covering of the church. So it allowed them to come into this space, a a place for men and women to do these things. Because I didn't want to just prepare people for the next five years of ministry and then see them burn out someplace. I want them to be prepared for the next 30 years and hopefully a lifetime of, of, of lifetime fulfilling ministry and what God is calling them to do. So we open up this residency program, and hear me, that's discipleship. That's discipleship. See, we didn't want to just tell you guys what discipleship looks like, but we're trying to model that in our staff, too, intentionally. That's discipleship. Church, there's many, many more things that I could talk about this morning dealing with discipleship, but the simple point I want you to take away this morning is that the gospel is taking root in the hearts of people and lives are being changed. People are being rebuilt. The last of the three pillars before we get out of here is releasing people for city impact. And we really could say the world, releasing people for the world, because our desire is that anyone who steps foot in those two doors out there and they come in here to Renewal Church of Chicago, we want them to experience the gospel in a way that they can't help but to tell someone else as they leave here. Whether they're going out into their communities or they're going to the uttermost parts of the world, we want them to be able to proclaim Jesus because of what they've learned here at Renewal. See, after... You're renewed by the gospel. You were built through discipleship. Last thing is to be released. We see this in Jesus' life. After he shared his life with the disciples, he ultimately released them when he ascended to heaven. They were left to do the work of the ministry without him being there. He released them. He sends them out to do to others the same things that he did with them. He releases them. In essence, disciples make other disciples, other mature followers of Jesus. This is how cities are changed. This is how lives are changed. This is how the world is changed. By you all, us carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ out into the highways and the byways, as the old folk like to say, we carry it out of these doors, and lives are changed by us being released. And I'm so delighted to say that that's already happening. That's already happening, and here's some of the ways. Partnering with Breakthrough, it continues here at our church. Many of you have served food at the homeless shelters that they have. You've given clothes away. You've served food, whether it's through your groups or at our church, to those that are less fortunate. 
And for the third year in a row, we, we, we did the Christmas drive where you guys filled up tables outside. You bought things online and you sent it there. And what this deal was allow people that, are, that don't necessarily have the means that maybe some of you all do to come in and they can buy gifts at a lower price and provide a Christmas for their family. You guys have done that three years in a row. We also participated in their hunger walk, the Chicago Food Depository hunger, hunger Walk. I think we walked about three miles it was hot, but we walked it. It was, it was fun. And as we walked, every person that participated in that, you gave a meal to somebody that needed a meal. You provided that for someone else. And tomorrow, I'm calling you off. If you haven't signed up, sign up on the table back there. Serve with us at MLK Day, for MLK Day as we serve both shelters. We need about 20 of you all, if not more. Sign up on that table outside. We want to get you involved from 10 to 1 tomorrow. My family will be there. It's going to be an awesome time. Friends, these are ways that we're being released and we're serving the needs of our city. Many of you have volunteered with GRIP, mentoring fatherless youth here in the city. Folks like Jay, who sits on the board of them and helps that ministry go forward. You got Mika and Chica. Y'all like how their names rhyme? Mika and Chica, they've been volunteering with them, whether it's at the SLAM or after-school activities, mentoring them. And there's many other ones in here that I didn't mention. Y'all are helping those who do not have fathers or parents in their household to, to, to see a light at the end of the tunnel, to get out of what they're in, out of Chicago. And here, here's the truth. I'm thankful for ministries like that. Because if it had not been for mentors like yourself serving fatherless youth, I, I would not be preaching here today. My father wasn't necessarily in my house. So it took men coming around me and mentoring me. And here I stand today. So keep doing it. If you want to get involved in Grip CJ or, or sign up on the table, we have tables, things out there, information. Look it up. We'd love to get you involved. That's happening already. Deb Steiner. How many of y'all know Deb? Deb's awesome, right? We love Deb. She's continually pushing forward with her nonprofit, Pure and Faultless. If you missed it last year, she spoke to us about it. It's a ministry to widows and orphans and, and the poor in, in, in many different countries outside of the U.S., and, and it's taken off. They're building things like Rahab's Corner, which provides a safe haven and a place for girls that are involved in a sex trade to be fed, to, be, to, to learn and, and be taught, and they're, they're, they're there. They're safe now. They're providing these homes for them. There's much, much more going on. Ask Deb about it. If you want to get involved with that, get involved with her. This is taking place. People are being released. Many of you, I love this one. I'm hearing this from more and more of you guys. Many of you guys are not just working at your jobs anymore. You're working there, but you're also looking at your job as a ministry now. You're trying to figure out how can I create a space to, to provide outreach now. See, because here's the truth. If you know Jesus Christ, whatever space that you're walking in or you exist in more than maybe an hour or so like that, when you exist in that place, it should be different because you know Jesus. You see, so here's the thing. You start, people are starting to see their workspaces as mission fields and say, man, how do I share it? Whether that's through my words or my actions, how do I give off the light of Christ in my workspace? That's being released. Also, one of the great joys that we get to take part in in using a high school, Wells High School, is that we get to partner with them. We get to partner with this school, and I love it. We've served and done things like monthly teacher appreciations, back-to-school gifts and breakfast for them, snacks for parent-teacher conferences, Christmas gifts and cards. 
Service days where we came in, we painted classrooms, we made signs for back to school where as the kids came in to, to the first day of school, we had signs, we're holding it up, they're running through the signs, this, we're giving them orange juices, and, and this is their first hug probably of the day. They didn't get one at home, but they got it here when they were greeted at the school. We've served families Thanksgiving meals through partnership with the Boys and Girls Club here at the school. Bought hats and gloves just recently for students without proper attire during these cold months. Many of them are, it's like 30 students here that are homeless. And, and this is just the beginning. Let's not just be in this school. Let's make this school better because we're here. Amen? Amen. We as a church, we give 10% of our internal giving away already as a church plant because the word of God tells us to give sacrificially, and we believe that. And because of that, we're able to take part in other churches being planted all over the uttermost parts of the world. I love when Pastor Luke comes back, and he's always telling me about what's happening in different parts of the U.S., what's happening in all over the country, churches in Lagos, Nigeria, Cape Town, Paris, all of these places. He gets to sit on the board, and he tells me about what's happening. And I, I'm just delighted that some of your giving goes back to a, a church church plant organization that planted us called Orchard Group, and we're able to take part in that already. That's where your giving is going. And part of that, too, is that we don't want to just call you to give 10% to the church. We want to practice that, too, and we want to see churches planted that people reach for the gospel of Jesus Christ, even in these early years. Amen? Amen. God is moving. Friends, look at what God is doing. Can we give him some praise? There's many, many more things that I could really talk about this morning that I didn't mention. There's many things that each one of you guys are already invested in. You're being released already. But here's the point. The point of this, hear me, is not so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, look at us. Look what God has done. Look at what we've done. No, no. Here's the thing. The point is that we're now understanding that the gospel of Jesus Christ is bigger than us. It's bigger than my own needs and what I can ask God for. It's bigger than that. See, we're understanding now that now that we're saved, we're called to give our lives away. Give it away. And that's what we're seeing happening here in this city. As we end the day, there's some things that I want you to look forward to, and specifically one major thing here, February 11th, February 11th, like we did last year for the third year, we're having another race conversation on gospel and race here at our church. If you don't have one of these, grab one outside. I'm so excited about this this year. Each year, it's been an awesome opportunity for us to break down the Word of God and actually talk about what is the deal with, how does it deal with matters of race. And this year... It's going to be a little different. We're going to do a panel again, but we're going to talk about specifically three topics. We're going to talk about media. We're going to talk about education and the workplace. How do we experience race in those places, and, and how does the gospel affect all of these things? So you're going to hear from some of your folks here, some of your family and your friends here in the church. If you haven't heard from me, you'll hear from me this week if you're going to be on that panel. But that's the delighting, delightful thing about it. Just you get to hear from your peers, you get to hear from your fellow church and people and their experiences and things they've gone through. And see, the point of this, family, is not to have a conversation where we solve the race issue. Something that's continually coming up in media and all over the place right now in politics. It's not that. The point is that this is a gospel issue. It's a gospel issue where we see Jesus 
approach and confront matters of race all throughout the Bible. He does not just stand on the sideline and say, I'm going to wait for somebody else to figure that one out. No, he steps in. The woman at the well in John 4, he steps right up to her and says, what's your name? Talks to her. She gets saved. A Samaritan woman who the Jews do not like. Jesus confronts matters of race. He doesn't just watch injustice happen. But sadly, the church in today's society has not followed his example. This is still, 11 o'clock is still the most divided hour of the week. So this conversation, my hope is that it will shed some light and allow you to hear from your peers and people here in the church. And the hope is through hearing from other people that may be a little different than you, you'll be able to empathize with them. Therefore, have compassion, and it'll force you to seek the betterment of other people, to compel you to do that with other people. See, we need to be able to dialogue with one another. We need to be able to try to seek to understand and love people where they are to see true change. This is what Jesus did. Each of you that are saved, he doesn't call you out of where you are to meet him. He meets you right where you are. And he changes you as you get to know him. But it's not come to me, it's not change and then come to me. No, he meets, he steps into your mess. And we're all different than him. He meets us right there. That's what he calls us to do too. So we're going to have this conversation. I'm looking forward to it. This is part of release because I don't want this to just be a normal service where we come together and we worship and we hear a preached word. It's not going to be that. We want you to invite people in. People need to be a part of this service. And in years past, we've been packed out when we do the race conversation. People come in here because I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up going to church and hear people talk about race and the gospel. That's not something that was talked about, sadly, but it, and it should be because it's all throughout the scriptures. You see it there. So it's not, a chance just, it's not just a chance for us to hear about this together, but it's a chance for us to engage the city and bring people into this conversation with us. Do not miss this event. Also that night, after service, we'll have you come back because we're not going to do too much worship that morning. But that night, we're going to have another worship night slash concert featuring some of our own. Uh, Damon Reed, who's our worship leader, and then Sharon Irvin, she's been with us a few times, and then Kalika Tabron, Chris Tabron is going to be there. They're going to do some of their own things. We also have our worship team there. So don't miss it. It's going to be an awesome night. We have food. We're going to fellowship together. And I hope that you'll come back at 6 p.m. You won't want to miss that as we're going to do a concert and a worship night together um, at 6 p.m. that night. So be there. Be there as we engage our city here back at Wells. So as the band comes forward and we get ready for communion, remember, family, None of these things that I've talked about, none of these things that have happened, none of these things that we're looking forward to in 2018 happen without Jesus. None of these things happen without his work on our behalf. So, friends, I hope today has been encouraging. I hope it's been encouraging to look at all that God has done in our midst. I hope you'll be encouraged to do that in your own life, too. See, there's much, much more that... I didn't mention that's to come, and most of probably, and I, I didn't say anything about, friends, to me, when I think about all of that, here's a new year that God can do amazing things through, and all the things that have happened, I, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. So, family, let's together, let's press forward into 2018 with hope and innovation. Amen? Let's pray.